0: From the newsrooms of the Daily Press and the Virginian Pilot, this is Beyond the Headlines. I'm Marie Albajez. Each week, we interview reporters from our newsrooms about how and why they covered a story. This week, education reporter Sarah Gregory comes on to tell us about her investigation into allegations of child abuse at a Norfolk elementary school. She also gives us an update on what's going on with Sherwood Forest Elementary School and the rat infestation there. Here's me and Sarah. Sarah Gregory, welcome back.
1: Glad to be here.
0: So last time we had you on, you were reporting about Sherwood Forest and the rat infestation that parents and teachers were reporting to you. So I want to talk about that a little bit, but first let me tell everyone why you are on this podcast today, and that is for your investigation into some allegations of teachers abusing special needs children. So first, could you give us an update on where everything with Sherwood Forest stands?
1: So since we last talked, the parents and teachers at Sherwood Forest have come together and restarted the PTA. So Sherwood Forest had had a PTA in the past, but when all of this broke in September, there wasn't an active PTA. And so one thing I've heard from parents is that this really brought them all together and helped them realize the power of uh, having an organization like the PTA to advocate for the school's needs. So that's a positive step, I think. Um, as far as the rat and roach and mold concerns, administrators have been working to remediate those. I've heard from parents that they've seen contractors out working on the problems. I've also heard that all the problems haven't been addressed yet. So that's something that I think the school administrators are still working on addressing. And they've said from the beginning that this isn't you know, a short-term fix. It's a long-term process.
0: So a couple weeks after you reported that story, you started finding out about a teacher who was allegedly abusing children. How did that come to your attention?
1: Yeah, so a couple weeks after the Sherwood Forest Stories ran, I got an email from someone who said that they knew of child abuse allegations at Bayview Elementary School involving a teacher and they asked me to look into it further. And this person didn't want to talk with me on the record, didn't want to talk with me at all. They just wanted me to know the information. And so tips like that are really valuable because that's something that I didn't know was happening at Bayview. But tips like that are sometimes hard to track down and confirm. And so after I got that information, I started trying to ask questions and ask around and see if I could confirm that story. And eventually I was put in contact with the parents of one of the children who told me more about what they had experienced and they put me in contact with other parents in the classroom and then eventually I was able to talk with um, some staff as well about what had happened and so it was really just like working sources and you know whenever I talked with people asking them like well do you know anybody else who knows about this who can talk with me or who would talk with me and then trying to piece together the story that way.
0: So that initial contact that you had with the, the first set of parents, uh, what were they telling you? What was the child telling you?
1: Their child and the other children in this class, it's a self-contained classroom for children with special needs. Most of them have autism. Most of them aren't really verbal, and so a lot of the children couldn't really say what had happened. And what does self-contained mean in this situation? Self-contained means that it's a classroom for children who wouldn't do well in a traditional classroom setting where you might have, you know, 20 to 25 kids in a classroom. These are kids who need more specialized individual attention, and so usually there are smaller classrooms, and the other students in the classroom have similar challenges. So the first set of parents that I talked to, they only knew what Child Protective Services investigators had told them because their child is nonverbal and couldn't come home and say, Mom, Dad, this is what happened to me. So they were told by CPS that a allegation of abuse had been made against the teacher in the classroom and that the report wasn't specific. It didn't identify any particular children. It said that just this is something that had been happening in the classroom. And so CPS told the parents that they were treating every child in the classroom as though they were a potential victim. They didn't know, but that that's how they were approaching the investigation, was that any child could have been a victim. And so parents were upset, right? They described to me just how difficult it was to not know whether or not their child had been hurt. And they were frustrated that they just weren't getting a lot of answers from anybody.
0: So presumably, all of the parents who have children in that classroom were notified by CPS that there was an allegation.
1: Yeah. So all the parents were notified by CPS. And that was another element of the story that parents were really upset about because when CPS told parents, it was a month after the allegations had been reported to CPS and a month after school officials were aware of the allegations and parents hadn't been told. And by the time parents were told by CPS... Uh, the teacher had been removed from the classroom for about two weeks, and parents weren't told about that either. And so the reaction I got from parents, the first family that I talked to, and then subsequent families that I talked to, was they wanted to know that sooner. They wanted to know the minute that the school knew that there was an allegation that potentially affected one of their children. They wanted to know that then, and they wanted to know that the teacher had been removed earlier.
0: And when CPS received this allegation how long did it take for the school district to remove the teacher who was accused from the situation from the classroom
1: there was about a two-week lag time and school administrators have said that's not proper protocol that uh, the teacher should have been removed from the classroom immediately but there was miscommunication and the hr department was never notified and so that process just didn't happen and so school administrators have said that you know, that was a mistake, and that's not how it should have worked.
0: And so once you were done interviewing these families and interviewing some of the staff, you brought your, your reporting to the school district, and what did they say initially?
1: So it took a while to get responses from MPS, but when they did, they provided a lot of information about their policies and procedures and sort of what went wrong in this situation, and so that was really helpful. A lot of times when something goes wrong, you know, government officials, anybody, they they don't want to talk about why that happened. And so I want to give Norfolk Public Schools credit here. They answered, I think, all of our questions about it. And that was very helpful to have their side of the story represented in the article.
0: So in your original reporting, you don't name most of the parents. You obviously don't name the children. And you initially don't name the teacher who has been accused of this abuse. Why?
1: Sure. So as for the parents, the first parents that I talked to, and I talked to several parents, they were concerned their children still go to Norfolk schools. They were concerned that if they spoke with their names attached to it, their children could face retaliation. So that was a circumstance where we decided to give them anonymity. As far as the teacher, we decided initially not to name her because she hadn't been charged with a crime. Uh, You know, these were accusations and we believed that they were worth reporting on, but because she had not initially faced charges, we didn't name her. That changed this month after it became known that two sets of parents had gone to file charges against her themselves. And so once that happened, we reported on that and we named the teacher. The other thing that has happened since the original reporting is that another family has come forward. And this is the family of a nine-year-old who was in this teacher's classroom last year. And so what the mom and the grandma say is that this child was coming home last year and reporting to them that his teacher had hurt him. And they say that they went to the principal. The, The mom told me that she went to the principal more times than she can keep track of and just wasn't getting any sort of response to that and and so this mother her concern was she wondered what might have changed if administrators had taken her seriously whether the teacher would still be in the class this year so that family was willing to talk on the record with their names attached we went out to their home a couple nights and talked with them and talked with jakari the nine-year-old and so we were able to tell his story
0: That must have been so difficult, just being in his living room, his kitchen, you know, listening to a nine-year-old tell you about being hurt in school.
1: Yeah, I mean, it was really, really difficult to hear. And I had talked with a staff member at the school who said that she had reported Jakari being hurt by the teacher as well last year. And she described this just really horrific incident that happened in the classroom And what she said she saw was that Jakari was trying to run out of the classroom, and the the teacher was trying to stop him, and the boy got upset, and he bit the teacher, and then she said she saw the teacher bite him back. And it was just... It's just hard to imagine that kind of situation and what was especially difficult was that the mom had never heard that story before the mom had seen her son come home from school with bruises and bite marks and scratches and and injuries but she had never been given an explanation as to how that happened and she hadn't talked with the staff members that i had talked to and so telling her what had happened was just really hard because i didn't want her to read about it in the paper right and so that was really hard for her to hear and it was really hard to deliver that news as well so yeah the whole situation was just very trying
0: so now we have these criminal charges against the teacher and you were able to see the police report did you find anything in there that kind of corroborated your reporting or was different than your reporting so i actually
1: found out about these outstanding warrants from one of the parents who called me and said did you know that there are outstanding warrants for this teacher and i said i hadn't heard that i'll look into it and so i reached out to police and asked about these outstanding warrants and had a really hard time getting police to respond so eventually police shared with me one incident report and this incident report is heavily redacted but it does mention a very brief narrative that has like some some dates it's a little unclear to me as to which incident this police report is referring to, whether it's the situation that prompted the teacher's removal in October or whether it's about the incidents that happened last year, because the, the report sort of mentions both. Police have told me separately, though, that one of the charges relates to incidents that happened last year and one of the charges relates to incidents that happened this year.
0: So the teacher has been placed on administrative leave and the children have a new teacher, presumably. Uh, What other steps, if any, is the school district doing to kind of ensure this doesn't happen again?
1: So one of the things that MPS has said they're doing is they are having conversations with all of the principals, again, to make sure that they understand what the proper protocol and procedure is when they become aware of a child abuse allegation. And so that's something that has been happening since this incident. Two administrators are also on administrative leave. So one of the executive directors was actually the principal at Bayview last year that Jakari's mom said she reported his allegations of abuse to. And so she's been placed on administrative leave, and the other executive director was handling the October incident and was placed on administrative leave because of procedures not being followed then. So where things stand now, Child Protective Services are still investigating, Norfolk Police are still investigating, and Norfolk Public Schools are still investigating to see what happened and and where things go from here.
0: Well, thank you for your reporting. It seems like there's been a lot of reaction from it, and I'm sure that we'll see more reporting from you in the future on this. Thanks. That's it for this week. We're going to be taking some time off for the holidays, but we'll be back in 2020. You can find all the episodes of Beyond the Headlines wherever you get your podcasts. Please subscribe and leave a comment, and tune in every Tuesday for a new episode. I'm Marie Albijez. Thanks for listening.